0: to its time on CSN International. The Daily Teaching Ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to senior pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike.
1: Well, we find here in Mark chapter 6, we remember last that Jesus had fed the 5,000. Now, we remember that it said that they had been so busy that they hadn't even had time to eat. And it's interesting after all Jesus fed the 5,000 that they took up 12 baskets of fragments. And I believe those were for the disciples. And then notice what's uh, noteworthy here. In verse 45, it says, Immediately. Now, right after they got done eating, after they saw this tremendous miracle of Jesus, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side of Bethesda while he was still... um, while he sent the multitude away. And so he got his disciples out of there. He sent them across. Now, I, I can just see a lot of times them saying, well, Jesus, how are you going to get to the other side? You know, I mean, there's a lot of questions that I think that sometimes are better left letting God deal with. You know, I, I don't always know how God does everything in my life. And, and sometimes if God was to tell me, I probably wouldn't believe it anyway. Now, as we read on in this part of the story, you're going to find out what's so unusual, how Jesus did get to the other side. But you know, a lot of times we always want to have God spell everything out to us of what God's going to do in our life, which really then requires me to have very little or no faith at all. And again, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So a lot of times, I just have to take God and His Word. And I know, friends, sometimes this is hard to do because we are impatient by nature and we want God to do everything on our schedule and completely explain to me fully all the things that He's going to do. And friends, I don't know all those things. Now, I'm not saying that God may not even inform you if you did. But the thing is, is that, again, I think it's best to sometimes let God be God. God has a plan for your life. And you know, a lot of times I have found that I like that master blueprint. Okay, God, what are we going to do today? And God wants to somehow, we're going to expect God to do it all for us, line up, everything is all going to be spelled out. Well, friends, you know what, again, I believe God not giving us the full plan keeps us flexible. You know, I think a lot of times if God was to give us everything that he was going to do all in order and everything that he's going to do in our life each day, we'd become so rigid, we would miss life. People say, well, yeah, but there would be a relief in that. No, you'd be settling into the plan rather than settling into the arms of your Heavenly Father. And friends, there's a big difference. Again, God wants us flexible. And so, you know, a lot of times people have said to me, they say, well, why doesn't God just tell us everything He's going to do? Because then you wouldn't need faith. And that wouldn't keep you flexible. And that wouldn't keep your eye always open to see how God may be working in your life. And you know something else? Anybody here that ever follows the ritual, you know what we call that? A rut. Have you ever noticed that? What's interesting is, and part of going on vacation, friends, is a little bit of that. Where you basically, and I know this sounds horrible for some of you, you throw the schedule away. Now I know a lot of us can't function without our schedules. Imagine eating breakfast at 11 o'clock. I mean, that's just a thought. Or imagine not really knowing where you're going to be later on in the evening. Now, a lot of us, you know, we have our vacations and we're going to be in a certain place at a certain time and we eat lunch between 12 noon and 1 o'clock and then we got... And you know what I'm talking about. To me, that doesn't sound much like a vacation. I don't know about any of you. I think one of the neat things is where you, and God forbid, you turn your cell phone off and you actually enjoy not being tied to a schedule. Well, friends, again, we understand that. We understand how how really we we have uh, the need for flexibility in our life. And again, I think a lot of times Jesus, as an example here, could have told his disciples exactly what he was about to do. But he didn't do that. Now I want you to notice this. And the reason why I say this is this. A lot of Christians feel that God doesn't love them because God doesn't spell out every single thing that he's going to do in their life. Jesus did not spell out everything that he was going to do in his disciples' life here because what he was going to do, they wouldn't have believed anyway. Let's look on. So he sent them in a boat while he, Jesus, sent the multitudes away. Verse 46. And when he sent them away, he departed to a mountain to pray. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus prayed a lot. And and again, Jesus praying was communing with his Father, just the same way God wants us to pray. Now, friends, listen we talked a little bit about prayer over the times past, but you know what? Prayer is never to talk God into my plan. Well, now, God, I know you really don't know what you're doing, so let me help you out. And I'm really appalled sometimes at the way, in my own life, I've spoke to God. Sometimes the way I see people talk to God on television. Uh, you know, God, heal! Like he's a dog or something. God, Listen, one who heals, heal me. One who has all power, Lord, hear my prayer. But you know what? God is not my puppet, nor yours. And so, again, Jesus went to pray. And the reason why he would pray is it aligned his heart with his Father's will. Friends, I, I, maybe what we ought to call Sunday morning. Wouldn't it be fun to tell people, say, uh, what are you doing next Sunday morning? Oh, uh, I don't know. Would you like to come for a front-end alignment? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, a front-end alignment. Do, do you realize that through the course of daily life, our wheels get knocked off? Have you ever been in a car that's like maybe in the, in the winter time, maybe on the icy roads, you go scooting across and you hit a curb and then you kind of, you know, your car kind of drives down weird and, and you need to take it in and have the front end aligned again because the steering wheel pulls? We, what I have noticed in life is through life, we all get our front ends knocked out of alignment. And one of the things that we come together on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday night, and a lot of the times we get together, is I believe when we get into God's Word, God kind of gives us a front-end alignment. He, he once again, aligns our will with His. Now, friends, again, if that's the only time that you're communing with your Father in Heaven, uh, you're going to spend a lot of time going sideways. Because, again, we need a daily relationship with God to get on what God wants to do. Again, prayer was not intended to talk God into my plan but rather to align my will with this. And Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, that's what he said. He said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven. And again, friends, that's great comfort to me to know that Jesus wanted us to relate with God who made everything, knows everything about you, made the cosmos, the planets, everything, and wants you to relate with him as a father. Not as some unknowable uh, uh, you know, being in outer space or, or some impersonal God, but somebody that's directly... Understands everything about you. He says, when you pray, pray like this, Our Father, which art in heaven. And again, we find there that the whole purpose of the prayer was thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are surrendering our will to God when we pray. Now again, we can thank God and we can ask God for things that we know we need in our life. And again, give us this day our daily bread. That's okay. We can do that. The 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 daily bread is something that we all need. There's daily needs we all have. We can ask God for those things. But, but again, when we have to really again understand and realize that you know we have a, a God that wants to be um, uh, listened to and, 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 Lord, my hands are your hands. My feet are your feet. Here I am. What do you want to do with me? Well, again, I, I believe that this is why we pray and this is why Jesus prayed. Now, one of the things you find in the scripture is Jesus was the fulfillment of the God head in bodily form. Now, the Bible tells us that. So if you want to know what the gift of healing is like... All you have to do is look at Jesus. If you want to know what the gift of, uh, of uh, miracles is like, all you have to do is look at Jesus. It talks about these gifts there in First Corinthians chapter twelve and chapter fourteen, and so he's a fulfillment. Somebody say, "Yeah, Mike, but what about the gift of tongues?" Well, Jesus was God. There was no language that was ever spoken he didn't know, so the gift of tongues didn't apply to him because he uh, didn't. Uh, there was no language that was unknown to him. But as he says here, he says he went up and he prayed. In the mountains. Now, uh, when evening had came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone uh, on the land. Uh, So Jesus was on the land, his disciples were out in the sea. And up in the north end of the Galilee, there are some hills, and you can actually, if Jesus went up where I believe that probably he did, you could look over the Sea of Galilee, and uh, um, uh, he could see the disciples out there. Probably it was a moonlit night. Wind comes up. And he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them and was about the fourth watch of the night. This makes it about three o'clock in the morning. So Jesus was up till at least three o'clock in the morning praying for, uh, I believe, uh, his relationship with his father, with, for his disciples and all. And he saw them and he noticed. And so he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. Now, friends, this is some interesting verses here that really makes me kind of observe something. He said he would have passed them by. Was Jesus playing with them a little bit? You know, here they're out there rowing against the wind, probably in the moonlight, wind blowing on them and everything like that. And they're rowing as hard as they can. And here comes Jesus walking on the water and says, hi boys. Now, he would have passed them by. He wouldn't have passed them by. That was the whole reason he walked out there to them. But I think a lot of times Jesus wants to see, do we realize our need for him in our life? You know, a lot of times I see people like that. They're rowing against the wind. There was a song, something like that. But anyway, uh, they're rowing against the wind as hard as they can. And they don't realize they need God's help. Friends, I I just want to invite you. if If you're in something that you don't understand, and it's very tough, and it's very difficult... And maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like you're pushing against everything that's going against you. I I would invite you to call on Jesus because He's there and He's there to minister to you. This isn't just something that happened when you accepted Christ as your Savior 20, 30 years ago in a Baptist church someplace. But it's something that God wants to do in a daily relationship with us because we need God daily in our life, not just when we're in trouble or not just when we have something that we, we uh, uh, want to thank the Lord for, it's a daily relationship with him. And so he tells them there, he's notice he says, and would have passed them by, but they, speaking of the disciples, saw him walking on the sea. They supposed it was a ghost and cried out, ah. Now, I, I, you know, this is always kind of amazing to me. They see Jesus walking on the water uh, they see in the shape of Jesus. say, wow, that ghost looks just like Jesus. Amazing. Now, remember, they had just seen Jesus multiply the loaves and fishes. Friends, you look at this in the Bible and you say, how can these guys be so clunky? But then I look at my own life. I look at all the miracles that Jesus has done in my life. And you think about it in your life, how God's delivered you from alcohol and pot and booze and all that other weird stuff that goes on in your life. All those things that God has, has, has moved you from. And you say, well, Mike, I'm not completely delivered. yet, yeah, but he's working on you. Good thing he didn't do it all at once it killed you. And, and, and he's working on you and he's doing all those things. And that yet, here comes Jesus and they all start crying out. It's amazing to me, in the midst of all the things they seen Jesus do, they still were so easily rattled in their faith. Now, it says they cried out, supposing they'd seen the ghost, for they all saw him and were troubled. Now, 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 I look at this and I realize, if you run into somebody that starts multiplying loaves and fishes and feeds 5,000 men, not to mention women and children, I would have to say there's something really different about this guy. Now, if he wants to walk on water, okay. It's all right. See, the problem is, is that they failed to realize the power of God in, in Jesus' life. And, and because of that, they then had a limited faith of what God could do in their life. Do you see the difference? See, if you've got a, a little God, little gods don't do much. And if the little God you got is a plastic Jesus, Jesus glued to the dashboard of your car, you've got a little God. But when you realize the immensity of who God is, that God can do anything, He's not limited by your or my understanding but goes beyond that. I believe this is why Jesus walked on the water because what does that tell you? Logic says people don't walk on water unless you have a ski rope and a pretty good out, pretty good sized motor on your boat. It just doesn't happen. But God is not limited, friends, by our understanding of circumstances and issues. Friends, again, we always think how God's gonna do something. You ever prayed and said, "Okay, God, I ask you to do this," and 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 so uh, and then we wait and and, and, and we figured it all out. Okay, well, I know what's going to happen now. I prayed, and then God's going to have this guy call, and he's going to buy my big pile of bricks in the backyard, and then we're going to sell those pile of bricks, and then we're going to, you know, and we got it all figured out. And God doesn't do any of that, and oftentimes we say, "God, you didn't answer my prayer." No, no, God didn't answer it your way or my way. We we get in a rut like this. Now again, Jesus, who can multiply the loaves and fishes, who can walk on the water, again, friends, a lot of times our God is too small. Right here shows and should break us out of the mold thinking, and see, again, we we start getting into this mentality that God is just a superman. He's he's a man that's got some supernatural capabilities. No, no, God's God. And He is not limited by the things that limit us. Now I don't know if how many of you have tried to walk on water. There's only one other person that we find recorded in the scripture that walked on water and that was Peter. And when he... Re- it's funny, it says when he, he took his eyes off, off the Lord and started looking at the waves and everything, he sunk. Now he, I could just see him going, I can't do this. <laughs> You're right. We can't. But God is not limited... By our understanding of things, friends. The Bible very clearly teaches his ways are not our ways. His ways are far above our ways. Because we, again, limit God by our own understanding of things. So we find here then that Jesus, walking on the water, was walking out to help them. He realized they were in trouble. Do you think God doesn't know when you and me are in trouble? (laughs) You say, well, Mike, I'm not in trouble now. You will be. Just give it time. You know why? Because it's the nature of us living in this world. I mean, you could be minding your own business and somebody, you know, runs into you or something. I mean, I mean, we all experience things. And then people say, well, God, if you love me, why did you allow this to happen to me? Can you just see the disciples? Well, you know, if that guy was really God, how come we're out here in the waves? And here comes Jesus as a ghost on the water. Well, that's something you don't see every day. And, and I look at this. God allows things, friends, to happen to us to show us His power and to build your faith. You know, you know a lot of times we, we get it all figured out. If God's God, then I don't need to experience any inconvenience in my life. What I find with the disciples, what I find with Paul the Apostle, what I find in the, in the book of Acts and all the other um, people that were saved, I didn't see, even in the Old Testament, I didn't see people with meticulous, perfect lives that nothing ever bad ever happened to them. What I find is in the course of life, and especially as the devil works against you, to stop you from doing what God wants you to do, you see the power of God. And rather than the winds and the waves destroying your faith, and friends, again, we all have that, you see the power of God and his deliverance, which then builds your faith. You see the big difference? Just as there were no food... Well, Jesus multiplied the loaves and fishes, and they all were fed, and even the disciples even got their own basket of food. That's pretty neat. Now you'd think, wow, that's, this guy, he has a way of doing things outside of my understanding. There was no store involved. There was no big bread truck or a cave filled with food. A lot of times people think that. And by the way, we talked about this last week. You ever get in a crowd of 5,000 people, let alone probably another 5,000 women and children, you get a crowd of 10,000 people, you don't know too much of what's going on. You know, and I imagine probably the people up on the slopes of the hills, they just kept seeing the food come. Wow, Jesus must have a big cave of food someplace. But the disciples are going, something's really weird with this stuff. This is yours. Here's more. Where's it coming from? I don't know. How's this work? And you can just see him wondering about this. See, those that were close to Jesus saw the miracle... They also saw the need for the miracle. Again, when you're close to the Lord, God puts us into positions not to crush you and me, though we may feel that way. And many people say, well, God, if you're God and you can do everything, why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to row against the wind? And so I'm just going to pack up my marbles and I'm going to go look for another personal God someplace. And people get that way. It's called backsliding. And and oftentimes, if you'll track the backsliding, it's because God didn't do something for somebody that they thought he should do. Which basically says, I am now God, not you, Lord. Because I'm the one that, when I don't understand something, I'm I'm calling the shots. You see, that's what the lack of faith is. And so we go back to this. Well, notice, they all saw him. They were troubled immediately. Jesus talked to them and said to him. Be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, I love that. In the midst of the problem, in the midst of their fears, in the midst of, honestly, their inability to recognize who Jesus was, have you ever been like that? Have you ever been in the middle of something and what you're into is so overwhelming, you oftentimes don't recognize God? But Jesus still recognizes you. And he said, don't be fearful. It's okay. It's I it's me. And he went with them into the boat and the wind ceased and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure. And they marveled. Now these guys were trained fishermen friends and you just don't put a guy on a boat and all of a sudden everything turns to a sea of glass. So this is different. So we see a succession of of many miracles here. First of all, we see the the miracle of of, um, we see the miracle of, of, the, of Jesus feeding the multitudes, and then Jesus feeding his disciples with the 12 baskets, and then Jesus getting the disciples to get in the boat. That in itself is a miracle after a bunch of men just ate, so that's just something to think about. And they get in the boat, storm comes up, Jesus walks on the water, another miracle. Jesus gets in the boat, the, 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 the waves cease. You, you see, what I, I'm, I'm finding here is I'm finding a pattern. That those who live in Christ, in the midst of the, the trials that we go through, God is endeavoring to do something to show us His greatness. And friends, it, it doesn't operate on my schedule. Now, now th- these disciples may very well have thought at 3 o'clock in the morning, they were going to sink. And there's many boats at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee that to this day they're still finding. That that little lake, in fact, you can go down here to Shoshone Falls, down to our little lake down here where you launch the boats and... and um, if a strong wind comes up from the west or from the east and comes down the canyon, you can have six-foot rollers at the end of, the, of just two miles down here. Anybody that's ever been on a, a rather large lake, maybe out at Salmon Dam or up at, up at um, Anderson Ranch or, or some of the other lakes or rever- reservoirs we have around here, you get a good uh, 50, 40-mile-an-hour wind, uh, it'll sink any kind of a boat. And, and so we realize this is something that, that the disciples realize that they may never be found. And so that's why, again, they were rowing as hard as they could. And somebody might say, well, I've got these problems in my life. Where's God? Well, you know, God's never late. You might think he is, but he's always on time. Because he wants to stretch your faith to show you that the answer is not in you or me. It's in him. God's never late. Now, we might think that. Well, anyway, he went into the boat. Wind ceased. They were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, and they marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves. There's the problem. They didn't understand about the loaves. They didn't get it. This is Bible vernacular for they didn't get it. Jesus is greater than the need. And friends, when you understand that, how important that is, we all are creatures of need. Don't feel... Have you ever felt this way? Well, God... I don't want to weight you down with my problem. God goes, whoa. I don't think so. Do you know it's God's good pleasure for you to bring your need to Him? That's God's pleasure. That's what a heavenly Father, how He takes care of His children. He didn't say, well, when you pray, pray like this. Dear co-equal in heaven. No, it doesn't say that. A father is would indicate that he is the giver. We as children are always the needy recipients. Now, a lot of people, and this may hurt some of our manly pride. I will save you. No, no. God is the one that has to supply what we need. God knows what we need. And guys, it's not wrong to call upon God to give you what you need. This may be a little harder for men sometimes, than even women, because, you know, you know, I'll kill the bear, bring it to the cave, kind of, that's the way guys are. We're hunters, that's why the problem with the remote control, uh, you know, we just do that. And, and I've shared this before, but, you know, we, we and we want instant things. They said that 90, I think it was like 98% of all males in America have pointed the remote control at their wife at one time. Uh, so... And, and, and so you, you understand that, that, we, that we, we don't ha- oftentimes have that, where we wanted to say, Okay, Lord, you be the supplier, I'm your child. And so they didn't get it. They didn't get it at the loaves and the fishes. And notice it says, Because their hearts were hardened. Now... God didn't harden their hearts, friends. God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart either. You know, the Bible says, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. People say, what kind of a God is it that would harden Pharaoh's heart and then punish him? The miracles that did in, in Pharaoh's life, how Pharaoh observed it, and what he did with that information after God proved to him who was boss, you might say. That's what either will soften a man's heart or harden a man's heart. The only thing we ever find in the Bible that God ever did to Pharaoh was show him ten times his unmistakable power. That's
0: Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes Store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800 357 4226 and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time for more It's Time. It's time.